It's Thursday. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Tim Harris. It's time for Tim with Tim. It's a cold Thursday, but it's a pretty Thursday. I ran eight miles this morning in the whatever, 25 degrees, something like that. Uh, it was actually pretty fantastic. I, I know I'm the weirdest bird. Uh, I will go out and I can run like that in the 20s. I, I will run in the teens. I have run at 22 degrees below zero. I simply won't really cancel a workout for weather, which is so weird because y'all know me. I hate to be cold so bad. I hate to be cold. But the funny thing is, like, I'm colder right now sitting in my office than I was this morning, you know, five miles from my home on, on the road. <laughs> it's just so weird. My hands are so cold right now. But anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's time for Tim with Tim, and we are in Hosea chapter 9 today, and uh, I appreciate you so much. I just love you all. I thank you for being a part of, of my life in the Word, and uh, it means so much to me that, uh, that we can be uh, partners in this. Uh, we're going through the whole Word of God together. I don't know if we started out with that intention, but we, you know, hey, you start, now you got to do it, right? So here we are. Uh, Hosea, it's just one of the most amazing prophets, I think, in the Old Testament. His poetry is stunning. Uh, his images are uh, just, you know, abundant. Uh, and he continues to use this sort of, uh, in some ways, it's, 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 it's not a PG, necessarily a PG kind of language, but he uses this whole idea of Israel playing the harlot. We're talking about spiritual unfaithfulness in terms of Jose's own experience with an unfaithful wife. We got the story of his, of his marriage, uh, the birth of his illegitimate children, all of that horribleness in the first three chapters. And now we're just in Hosea's sermons, his poetry, his prophecies. And that background, that knowledge about his family helps you understand where he comes from when he, when he says in verse 1 of chapter 9, when it says you've been unfaithful to your God, literally what the Hebrew says is you've played the harlot. You've played the harlot. Uh, it's crude language. Again, harlot is a word that's so out of our usage, it's not shocking. Whore, you know, if, if, if we were to you know, say they were whoring, we would probably begin to get a little more of, of the offensive nature of the kind of language that Jose is incorporating here to talk about the people of God. It's not flattering language, but he's not trying to flatter them. He is trying to shock them into repentance, to shock them into seeing things as they really are. Uh, you have played the harlot uh, in, in verse 1. Uh, New Living Translation says, hiring yourselves out like prostitutes. It's an okay translation, but, but it kind of misses, I think, the thrust of what Hosea is trying to say. The, the Hebrew language there is... Uh, uh, getting your your prostitutes wage. There's a Hebrew word for that. It's something like etna. Uh, getting your prostitutes wage, um, or, or loving loving your prostitutes wage on every threshing floor. That, that's that's literally what he says. Loving your prostitutes wage. Uh, so again, it's a crude picture of of a of a prostitute. You know, earning her money the way prostitutes earn their money. On every threshing floor, it's that the tale of the threshing floor here that uh, that connects you with probably what is you know some sort of cultic practice in in, in a fertility cult, uh, and it's it's tying together this 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 image of 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 whoring after other gods or or playing the harlot, putting that together with uh, the actual you know unfaithful acts which were 
you know, probably sexual acts related to fertility cults and probably literally taking place on threshing floors during harvest season. These are fertility cults. They are um, religious rituals intended to, in one way or the other, guarantee or gain a good harvest. And uh, man, as much as God's people love God, they just always wanted to, you know, might as well cover our bases. They just could hardly resist also, you know, trying to, you know, might as well, you know, can't hurt anything. Let's just go ahead and do the fertility thing over here too. Maybe it'll help our crops, you know. Um, it's not never that they completely abandoned God. I don't think they typically did. They just tried to have God and then have their, you know, their little gods too, have their little fertility cult too. And, and God will have nothing at all to do with that. And so that's kind of where chapter nine comes to. Chapter nine, really comes down to that verse 7 where it says the time of punishment has come, uh, the, the day of wrath, that the time of punishment has come. It's not that God isn't a God of grace and forgiveness. It's just that you can't forgive people who won't, who, who won't come and confess that they've sinned. They, they don't think they sinned. They don't see that they've done anything wrong. And, and so for that reason, they're going to reap the consequences of their sin. And, and, and it truly is devastating. Uh, there are a number of plays on words. Again, Jose is just a, a rather amazing poet. Um, in, in verse 3, you may no longer stay here in the Lord's land and said you'll return to Egypt. There are two Hebrew words. One is we would probably translate it dwell and return. And those words are similar. And so Jose is playing on those words. You know, you may no longer dwell in the Lord's land. Instead, you're going to return to Egypt uh, in Assyria. Again, Egypt and Assyria were the two nations that uh, Israel was going after as an ally to try to protect them. But now the Lord is saying, you know, you go to them for, you know, for ally, for help, but actually you're going to return and be prisoners, exiles in those very lands. You, you thought they were going to deliver you and instead they're going to enslave you, uh, exile you. So again, everything is reversed. Uh, the exodus is reversed. God's you know, plan for salvation history with the Jews, it's, it's all being reversed here because of the people's sin. Uh, you may no longer stay here in the Lord's land. That, that's a key line there, and that's in verse 3. Understand that because what follows is Hosea's sort of elaboration and description of what their cursed life will be like outside the promised land, outside of y y Yahweh's land. You know, for example, um, you'll make no offerings of wine to the Lord. None of your sacrifices there will please him. Uh, they'll are going to be unclean, you know, like the food touched by a person in mourning. Uh, everybody who presents those sacrifices is already going to be defiled. You can eat the food yourself, but, you know, it, it's not going to be something you can offer to the Lord. Again, uh, outside of the promised land, outside of the land of the covenant, the, 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 the terrible picture painted here is what do you think you're going to do? You know, you're not going to have your feast, your festivals. That's verse 5, verse 6. You're not going to be able to celebrate and live in covenant relationship with God because you're driven outside the land, you know. And so Hosea is trying to paint the starkness of the picture of life under the punishment and curse of their sin. Verse 7, the time of Israel's punishment has come. The day of payment is here. Now, verses 7 through 9 are probably, some would say, the most difficult verses in all of the book of Hosea. Uh, now, you're going to read it in your translation and probably not catch on to what makes it so hard. 
Uh, but, but for example, uh, New Living Translation, because of your great sin and hostility, you say the prophets are crazy, the inspired men are fools. The prophet is a watchman over Israel for my God, yet traps are laid for him. Um, you know, the New Living Translation makes that sound simply as if the people are uh, slandering God's prophets, saying that they're crazy, that they're fools, but the prophet is a, supposed to be a watchman on the wall, and, and people go out to lay traps against him. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, again, the Hebrew is a lot more complicated there. It, it's very possible that Hosea is saying the, 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 the prophets are fools, you know, they are fools that that you're listening to prophets who are crying out peace, peace when there is no peace. I mean, so in other words, Hosea could be talking about false prophets and the language here may literally be Hosea saying and the Lord saying, your prophets are fools. You know, the religious, you know, leaders that you're looking to, they can't lead you because they they are crazy. They, they are fools. Uh, and, and yet the prophet is supposed to be a watchman, you know, for God. You know, so, so there's the contrast. The prophet's supposed to be a watchman, and yet traps are laid for the false ones wherever they go. So uh, again, you, you can make decisions and, and smooth out the translation, but verses 7, 8, and 9, it's hard to know exactly what Hosea is trying to say. We, we, we get the gist of it. But at the same time, it's hard to know, uh, again, especially related to the prophets there, whether he is saying that they're false and crazy and foolish and, uh, or, or whether he is saying that the people say that. Well, one way or another, they do not listen to the word from the Lord wherever it comes from. And, and, and that part is as clear as it can be. I skipped over verse 6 there. Uh, you know, briars and thistles will invade your homes. Uh, that's an interesting picture, and it's sort of a picture of, of, of either the abandonment of, of their homes in, in exile or as they are driven out of the land, or just this picture of the breakdown of, of, of community, breakdown of everything. Uh, if people are living in a healthy community, they don't let you know, the briars just grow up in the middle of the town square. You, you, know, you tend to maintain and keep things. It's just the idea of everything just going back to chaos, everything going back to uh, this in, in, incredible, incredible breakdown. Um, verses 10 to 17 are sort of a collection of prophecies uh, comparing God's people to, uh, to, to, to plants, um, you're know, like fresh grapes in the desert uh, or some sort of uh, other sort of uh, landscape kind of images. The whole idea, idea being that uh, because of their sin, um, they're going to be rejected. Verse 17, my God will reject the people of Israel because they will not listen or obey. They will be wanderers, homeless among the nations. It's, it's, it's a devastating prophecy. It, of course, will come true. And, of course, it is only because these people are so hard-headed they do not know how to repent. And so they will face consequences. Uh, pick up right here tomorrow, but let's pick up our pace a little. Let's do two chapters for tomorrow, verses 10 and 11. They're, they're short. So chapter 10, verse 1 through chapter 11, verse 12. That's for tomorrow. And I'll see you then, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you guys so much. It's a beautiful Thursday. Enjoy it and stay in the word. And uh, Lord willing, I'll see you in the morning. Love you guys so much.